Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 76, Self-Confidence. My name is Jessie Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Today, our battle buddy moment for this episode is a Facebook review from Bethany Lee, and she says, Jessie has such a wonderful way of making everyone feel safe and loved. She took so much time and care preparing a meal and an environment that was so pleasant and inviting. She gave us such wonderful ideas, support, guidance, and tools. It was a pleasure to work with her. Thank you for that review, Bethany. Bethany was talking about coming to one of my dinner parties that I did in 2018 and 2019. Had a lot of fun with those and hoping to bring back some live events in the future. Okay, so today we're talking about self-confidence and the timing of this is planned and perfect in that uh, in December in resiliency training, my coaching program that I run, we talked about self-confidence. So this topic is just fresh on my mind and I enjoyed teaching it to my clients in resiliency training. And now I'm going to give you some of my thoughts on it and give you kind of a sum up of all that we talked about last month. So I want to start off by giving you the definition of self-confidence, which is being secure in yourself and your abilities. And I think it's important to know here that this doesn't mean that you're secure in yourself and your abilities in that you'll always do it right or um, always be successful, but you're secure in yourself, whether you are successful or not, you're secure in your abilities, even though sometimes it won't work out and your your abilities won't be, you know, like up to the task of whatever you're trying to do. Another thing that I like to think about is the opposite of some of these words. So when I'm thinking about feeling secure in myself and my abilities, I like to think about the opposite of that word secure, which is insecure. And that is honestly a little bit easier of a word for me to understand because I know what it feels like to feel insecure. And that's when you're not sure if you can do it. And then if you can't do it, you're not sure how you'll feel about it after that. So to be secure in yourself is that you're pretty sure you can do it and you know if you can't do it that you'll take good care of yourself anyway. Another opposite that I like to think about is the opposite of the concept of self-confidence. And that is self-doubt. So when you're wondering really what self-confidence is, think about how it feels to doubt yourself, to feel self-doubt in any given area and feeling self-confidence would be the opposite of that. So the next thing I want to teach you guys about is the difference between feeling regular confidence and self-confidence. Because regular confidence, I think we're a little bit more familiar with. That's basically when you have past experience of doing something well. So you go into it to do it again, knowing you'll do it well, because you have a lot of history and evidence to build that on. So there's like some simple examples, like you go to drink a glass of water and you know you'll be able to do it. Or you go to pour a glass of water and you know you'll be able to do it because you've done it so many times, right? Or you can go to more intense examples like... You're about to give a speech and you can think back to other speeches you've given that have gone well and know, okay, I'm good at speeches. And then you can go into this new speech that you're about to give with that confidence based on having done it in the past. And confidence feels great. And when you have that history of doing something well and confidence is easily accessible to you because of that, go for it. Totally generate confidence and use that to fuel you in your current endeavors. But 
where self-confidence comes in. And the reason it's different than confidence is when you need to have the courage and the motivation and the willingness to do what it takes to try something new or to do what it takes to try something that even you've been unsuccessful at in the past, but you're wanting to improve in that area or to be willing to try something that even, you know, like maybe your peers have been unsuccessful at, or you just don't know anybody who's doing it this way or at this level. And so you just don't really have anything around you to hold on to with at, in that confidence way. And so you need to generate self-confidence, which is where you decide to believe that you're willing to try it. You feel pretty optimistic that you'll be able to do it. And you know, you'll be okay, even if you fail, even if you're unsuccessful, all those things. It's really, really an interesting thing that I never knew the difference between these two things before. And now that I am clear on the difference, I can see how they're both really valuable tools, but sometimes one is much more appropriate. And now that I know how to create self-confidence, I the world has really opened up to me. Some other things that are important to understand about self-confidence is that it is unconditional, meaning it is not conditional based on your action line or your result line. This is so important to know because confidence, regular confidence is conditional. Again, like I explained already, we, we use what we are currently doing in our action line or what we've done in the past in our action line to say like, oh, I've done this before. I can do it again. Or look, I'm doing well right now so I can feel confident. Or I've created this result for myself in the past so I know I can create this result for myself again. But that is a very conditional way to experience an emotion. And we want to have the option of creating self-confidence in an unconditional way. We want to be able to create it without having anything to base it on so that we can use it in those circumstances that I explained where we're trying to do something brand new or something that we've struggled with in the past that we want to improve upon. Self-confidence is so beautiful because it leaves room for humanness. This is probably one of my favorite things about self-confidence is there's lots of room to have self-confidence and make mistakes and errors, which is what it means to be human. We are not perfect. We will make mistakes and errors and self-confidence and humanness can coexist. And I love that about self-confidence. When you're feeling self-confidence, nothing threatens the permission you've given yourself to think highly of yourself. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more at the end. But what that basically means is, again, back to that unconditional ability to feel self-confidence. It's that you've basically, with your thoughts, given yourself permission, again, to think highly of yourself. And sometimes your C line, your circumstance line, and your action line, and your result line will coincide with that permission. And sometimes it won't. But when you unconditionally believe in yourself, and your worth and your value and your abilities, all of that security, like we talked about at the beginning, then we can feel it whether or not we are having a very successful action line or result line and not based at all upon the circumstances that we're experiencing because self-confidence is always created with your thoughts. One thing that I worked with my clients on in December in resiliency training was that learning this new skill of believing thoughts that you didn't currently believe or you weren't very practiced at thinking is a skill. I like to call it that. This is like a brand new skill we're learning to look at our thoughts and then intentionally use thoughts to create feelings. Now, even when you haven't learned this stuff, you are doing that all the time, but not in such an intentional way. The new skill part is to intentionally decide what you want to feel and then create it. You're always thinking thoughts that are creating feelings. That's not the skill. 
The skill is being aware and recognizing what's happening and then using that ability and that new skill to intentionally create thoughts on purpose and in a pretty regular way and to have the discipline to limit the amount of time you spend thinking thoughts that don't serve you. All of that is new, a new skill that we are learning and practicing together. And that's one thing I love about resiliency training is helping my clients see the value of managing their mind and appreciating that it's just like learning any new skill. Okay, so there are three main components when it comes to self-confidence that we're going to go over today. The first one is your ability to trust yourself. The second one is your willingness to feel any emotion. And the third one is your opinion of yourself. So the first one, trusting yourself, it basically means that you do what you say you will do. And even when you don't do what you say you'll do, you take care of yourself no matter what. It's about being primarily accountable to yourself and letting go of needing to be accountable to other people. That's a really amazing thing when you start to understand where your like motivation is coming from. I was pretty interested to see how often I was seeking the approval of others and using that approval and accountability to try to motivate myself and, and fuel my action. And even though it's a, it seems like a subtle change, it's been pretty dramatic inside my mind of always primarily being accountable to myself and seeking my own approval first. This goes back to the cupcake concept. So we are responsible for the cupcake aspect of this, right? Of our personal approval and our personal accountability. Those are our own cupcakes. And then anytime that we have the approval of others or we feel um, like people can count on us, right? That accountability from others, that's just frosting on top. It's just extra and bonus and it can be there or it cannot be there. When it's there, it feels great. It tastes great, right? But the cupcake is the most important part and it's our responsibility. Another way you can take a look at your ability to trust yourself is to examine how you make decisions and if you honor the decisions you make or if you give in to urges to go back on your decisions or take a really long time to make a decision, that can be an indicator of how well you're trusting yourself. If you have a strong ability to trust yourself, then you are willing to try new things and figure them out, not only willing to try things that you know you'll be good at the first time. Also, if you have a strong ability to trust yourself, you'll find that you do very little comparing. That's something that, as my ability to trust myself has increased, my urges to compare myself to others has decreased. And that is so awesome because we know that comparing ourselves to others is just basically, I've heard it called like the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. And the reason we have that strong urge to compare ourselves to others is when we're not sure if we're okay. So the more we know we're okay, we trust ourselves, we take care of ourselves, the less we feel that strong demand to compare ourselves to others. And another one when it comes to this is a little bit similar to the comparing is uh, feeling offended as your ability to trust yourself increases. The frequency at which you get easily offended decreases. The last part I want to talk about in this section of trusting yourself is that when we have a high ability to trust ourselves, we are willing to let people be wrong about us. And what that means is if we don't trust ourselves, if we don't know that we're okay, no matter what, then when other people have you know, negative opinions of us or something, even if their opinion is totally wrong, then we spend a lot of time and effort and energy trying to make sure everyone 
understands us perfectly and has a good opinion of us because that helps us have a good opinion of ourselves. So again, back to the cupcake, if we create that cupcake of personal approval, then if other people approve of us, it's just fun and frosting and extra. I'm not saying that you shouldn't want that. It's okay to want that. We just don't need it. We need our own approval and we want the approval of others. And it's really helpful to get clear on that distinction because if we have a low ability to trust ourselves, then we often feel like we need the approval of others. So when I have this come up where I find that someone has a negative opinion of me and it is uncomfortable, but only because of our thoughts about it, right? I am able to talk to myself a little bit and remind myself things like, you know, he doesn't need to like me. That's my job. Or it's okay that they are confused about me or they have me wrong and that's okay. Those are some of the thoughts that I practice in that moment to remind myself that their approval doesn't indicate my ability to trust myself or my permission that I give myself to think highly of myself. And I don't, I can correct them if I want to, but only from that place of want, not from needing And when I say correct them, what I mean is try to improve their opinion of me, not really like correct them, but anyway. Okay, the second main component of self-confidence is when we're willing to feel negative emotions. And this one is really critical because the reason we ever not try to do something or feel really afraid of something or resist things or avoid things is because we're afraid of how it will make us feel. And so when we are willing to feel negative emotions and we learn how to process them rather than resist or avoid them so that we feel them all the way through, then there's no emotion or experience we can't handle. And this is really the secret to life because everything that we do is because of how we think it will make us feel. And I guess I should say everything we do or don't do is because of how we think it will make us feel. So when we really tune into that and get clear on what emotions we're seeking and what emotions we're avoiding, we can really broaden our experience by being willing to feel all the emotions because the experiences that come along with some of those uncomfortable negative emotions can be incredible. And if we prevent ourselves from doing it because we're afraid to feel the emotion, then we really miss out on some of those experiences and opportunities and we live a a smaller life. There's a pretty cool shift that happens as you begin to manage your mind. And I would hear my coach talk about this, but it took a while for me to really lean into what she was saying. And she would say that the worst thing that can happen is a negative emotion. And that's pretty hard to wrap your mind around because we can definitely think of a lot of worst case scenarios in our life and how bad they would feel if they would happen. And to simplify it to that place where really, even if the worst possible thing happened, in any of your worst case scenarios that you have that play out in your head, it really comes down to just that the worst of it would be an incredibly negative emotion. So when we're willing to feel any emotion and we truly know and are believing that the worst thing that can happen is a negative emotion, we're able to show up in the world in a way where everything's available to us. There's nothing that we're not willing to do or feel because we know we can handle it. That is really at the core of self-confidence. It's not that you'll even handle it really well. You just know you'll weather it. You know you'll get through it. You know there's nothing you can't handle. Okay, the third component of self-confidence is what you think of yourself consists of your opinion of yourself. So basically what you think of yourself is what is either generating or depleting self-confidence for you. 
So it's really valuable to understand what it is that you're thinking of yourself and to start to take a look at that. And when you're clear on your opinion of yourself, which again is just what you spend time thinking about yourself, and there's lots of things, you know, depending on the circumstance. Maybe in some areas we think pretty highly of ourselves and in other areas we're pretty hard on ourselves and and judgmental and, and think poorly of ourselves and that's okay. But I just want you to start to take a look at it and understand what areas you're strong in, what areas you're weak in, and what circumstances come up for you that really bring up those low opinion times because that's where we're wanting to clean it up a little bit. Because thinking highly of yourself is always available. It's available in any given moment. And it's okay when you don't think highly of yourself, but when you do the work to think highly of yourself, at least very frequently on a regular basis, you benefit. I truly believe in my core that improving your opinion of yourself has the ability to improve any issue you're experiencing. It doesn't make the issue go away. It doesn't prevent us from having challenges and issues, but some of the most valuable work that you can do that will have an effect on anything you're experiencing is improving your opinion of yourself. And again, when it comes to self-confidence, that opinion of yourself is never based on those conditions of what you're able to do or what results you've achieved. It's believing you're amazing no matter what is happening in your circumstance line, in your action line, in your result line, in your past, what's available to you in the future. And that's a beautiful thing. So when we're wondering what it is that we believe about ourselves, what is our opinion of ourselves, I want to remind you guys that a belief is just a thought that you decide to think over and over or a thought you decide to keep on thinking. So your beliefs about yourself are the thoughts that you think over and over about yourself. Like not necessarily pretty singular or rare thoughts, but there's definitely thoughts that play on repeat in your head. So those thoughts that you think over and over are what make up your opinion of yourself. And again, some are probably going to be great and some are probably going to be less than great. But it's important to know that what we spend time thinking about ourselves is what we believe about ourselves. It's important to be clear on what it is that we're spending time thinking about ourselves so that we know what we believe about ourselves. There's a couple of things that we're worried about when it comes to leaning into having a lot of self-confidence. And the first one is that we're worried that we'll be arrogant. So, I mean, there's, that might not be your exact worry and there's other words you can use that are like arrogant, but that's the way I'm going to describe it today. We're basically worried that when we work on ourselves and when we make our relationship with ourselves, our number one priority, and when we do the work that it takes to spend time thinking amazing things about ourselves and how wonderful we are and how there's nothing we can't do, right? All of this, it's so good, but there's this little tickle in your mind. Maybe it's come up for you, maybe it hasn't, but it's come up for me and for my clients that what if this takes me to a place of arrogance? So I want to teach you guys about arrogance for a minute. Arrogance is basically thinking that you're better than someone else and then setting out to try and prove it. Arrogance comes from a place of creating false self-confidence by putting others down. And arrogance comes from a complete lack of self-confidence and a low opinion of yourself. It's kind of a sneaky thing because it's like a counterfeit version of confidence. While on the other hand, self-confidence is knowing that all humans are awesome and capable, including you and me. While arrogance leaves no room for faults and mistakes, self-confidence allows for those mistakes because giving yourself permission to believe amazing things about yourself and feeling self-confidence doesn't only come when there are no faults or mistakes. 
So I think that's really important to understand how taking the time and doing the work to love yourself so much and believe that you are an incredible human being will never lead you to arrogance because arrogance is just a counterfeit version of self-confidence. So another thing that we're worried about when it comes to leaning into creating self-confidence is that we're worried that if we accept ourselves, faults and all, (laughs) that we'll never change. It's so interesting because actually the opposite is true. When we have a high opinion of ourselves and we treasure ourselves, we are more likely to take very good care of ourselves and do the challenging things that are required when we want to make meaningful changes in our lives. When we have a high opinion of ourselves, we invest in ourselves because we know that is a worthwhile way to spend our time and energy. We understand that strengthening the relationship we have with ourselves leads to what we are trying to do and create in all areas of our lives. Now, when we have a low opinion of ourselves, we don't spend a lot of time thinking highly of ourselves. Our brains are programmed to see what's wrong, and so that's what it's always looking for, and it finds it. It finds negative thoughts that create negative emotions, and this is the opposite of self-confidence. If we spend a lot of time thinking negative thoughts about ourselves, then this is what we're currently thinking and believing about ourselves. We're good at thinking these thoughts because we've done it a lot. Thinking about ourselves negatively is familiar and efficient and comfortable and predictable, but when we discipline our brain to limit how often we think about ourselves negatively and encourage ourselves to think positively about ourselves regularly, then thinking that way will become just as familiar and easy and regular and comfortable and predictable as it previously was to think negatively about ourselves. This is how we overcome these beliefs that don't serve us. It all starts with the thought. It all starts with having a strong thinking plan to create feelings on purpose. So your mission for this week is to get clear on what you're thinking when it comes to these areas. I want you to understand what you're thinking when it comes to your ability to trust yourself. I want you to understand and get clear on what you're thinking when it comes to your willingness to feel any emotion. And I want you to get clear when it comes to knowing what it is that you think about yourself. What is your opinion of yourself? And I want you to look at all of these things from a judgment-free place. We're always working to create awareness. That's where we always start. We're not trying to change anything yet. We're not needing anything to be different. We just need to understand where we are today. And once we're there, then we have a jumping off point. Once we understand what we're currently thinking and what those thoughts are creating for us, what feelings and actions and results those thoughts are creating for us. That's when we are so empowered to then move on intentionally to guide our lives to look a little more like we want them to look. But only ever from a loving, understanding place. The guidance is always gentle. It's, I mean, when you're coaching, when you're working with a coach, when you're doing mind management, it's very rarely huge, dramatic thought shifts. Sometimes it is, but for the most part, I recently compared it to this in a coaching call that I had with a client. It's more like you're bowling and you've got the bumper lanes up, right? So your ball is still going all over the lane and it really wants to go down in the gutter, right? You have a lot of urges to think the way you used to think, but instead it just kind of gently bumps up against the bumper and heads back in the right direction. And then it bumps up against the other bumper and then gently heads back in a better direction. So as you get awareness around this, I want you to think about those 
bumpers in bowling and just gently, lovingly guide your brain once you've achieved that awareness and clarity about where you are today. And if you have any thoughts or questions about any of this, I would love to hear from you. Please send me an email at jessie at simplyresilient.net. And that is what I have for you guys today. We're going to wrap up this episode with a hot mess moment. I'm going to tell you guys a story from probably about 10 years ago. My family had a condo that we would stay at in Southern California that uh, my, my dad's whole family would take turns using throughout the year. And this is just one of my favorite places of all time. And it's, uh, we would stay in San Clemente, California. So shout out to San Clemente. And this is where my grandparents retired. So this is where I grew up visiting them and vacationing. And it just has a really strong place in my heart. So one time we were getting ready to go visit. And I can't really remember if we had three little kids or, or four, somewhere in there. But our oldest was probably six and then on down with two or three more below her. And we decided to make a trip to San Clemente and we invited some friends to come with us and we got everything ready and you do this fun road trip. It's always day one and it's about a 10 hour drive from here where we live in Utah. And then we usually spend four or five days at the beach in the condo and then drive home. And I had a set of keys for the condo, but as we walked out the door, I double checked like, okay, make sure you've got the keys. And I, I double checked, but somehow I grabbed the wrong keys. I can't even explain it, but I thought I had the right keys. I double checked that I had the keys. I felt so confident and somehow I grabbed the wrong keys. I couldn't believe it. So I didn't know this yet, but we arrived in San Clemente pretty late because we had left maybe midday and um, rather than like early in the morning. And so if I remember right, we got there maybe at like 10 or 11 pretty, pretty late. And my kids had fallen asleep in the car. So we're in our mind, we're just going to whisk them up into bed, you know, get our, a few things out of the car, probably unload tomorrow. And we're there. So it's like the five of us, me and Brad and my three kids. And then our two friends who didn't have kids, you know, everyone's tired after a day of driving and we get up to the door of the condo and my husband says, okay, do you have the keys? And I pull them out and hand them to him. And he starts trying the keys. There's a couple on the ring. And he tries the next key. He said, which one is it? And I point to it. It's this one, you know, and he tries it and tries it. He cannot get it in. And I study the keys for a minute and it dawns on me. These are not the condo keys. Oh, I was mortified and frustrated and exhausted and realizing I'm 10 hours away from the keys (laughs) and I'm, you know, 20 feet away from being able to climb into bed, right? But I've got this door in our way. And I'm also sad for our friends who are like, what's happening? And so sad for my kids who are so tired. And I'm just, you know, frustrated at the whole situation. So we try calling a few people. I have a cousin who lives not too far away, but it was really late. She didn't answer. And uh, I think I called my dad and he didn't have any ideas for me. I was just trying to figure out if there were other keys that we could get that were more reasonable, especially at that time of night. Anyway, long story short, we ended up calling a locksmith and he said, okay, I'll be there uh, within an hour. Okay. So at this point it's well after midnight. Um, I don't remember exactly what time it was, but we're all just kind of sitting in the hallway this is a, a condo in a building with multiple units. So there's indoor hallways. So we're just trying to keep the kids happy, keep people from not crying. We've got some snacks out, we're playing little games while we're waiting for the locksmith. 
We waited, I think it was probably, you know, 1245 and he was supposed to be there like 1230 and we call him back and he said, oh no, I'm not going to be able to make it out tonight. So we just waited for over an hour on this locksmith when we could have just called a different locksmith, but he said he was coming and then he didn't come. So we're just even more just beside ourselves with all the things. And this is when my husband took matters into his own hand. So the first thing we did was we we had found in kind of our initial searchings a key under the mat of the neighbor's house that we actually knew really well. And it wasn't a key for their unit or our unit, but it was a key for the unit right below us, which belonged to someone we also knew. So there was, you know, there was some familiarity there, but this is still, as I think about it today, I'm thinking, man, this was crazy. Like this could have gone so poorly. So the unit that was right below us, we knew nobody lived there on like a regular basis that it was just used for visiting like ours was. And it's like one in the morning now. And this is the only key we have. And so my husband goes downstairs to this other unit, uses the key to unlock it, goes in, he's knocking, he's saying, hello, hello. Like he doesn't want to catch anybody (laughs) like off guard especially if they think he's an intruder and maybe they have a weapon. I don't know. It was so crazy, but we just felt very desperate at this point. We we knew that we could go get a hotel, but sometimes in the middle of the night, that simplest solution doesn't always seem available because we just kept thinking, how do we get into our condo? That was just what we were trying to solve. Because the next day I was thinking, why didn't we just go get a hotel and solve it the next day? Like that would have been such a simple solution, but here we are not using that as a solution. So he is able to go through this unit and fortunately, thank heavens, nobody was in it and go out on the deck of this unit below our unit and then literally like climb the outside of the building. So he fully like Spider-Manned it up onto the deck of our unit, risked his life for our safety. I mean, it wasn't like too crazy because it was just up one floor and, there, you know, it was even like a little bit... Um, to the side of ours. So anyway, it was crazy, but not too crazy. And then he was able to find a porch door that I think it was locked, but it like wasn't clicked all the way. And he was able to like force that open and get in and let us all in. And we were so relieved and so exhausted that we just didn't even say like another word. We just all went to bed, whisked those kids into bed. And that was, that was a wild moment. And I still would just think about every time we went to San Clemente since then, I always like triple, quadruple check the keys that I've grabbed because I never want a repeat of that situation. That is my hot mess moment for you for this episode. And that is what I have for you guys today. Are you ready to take what you are learning here to the next level? Then join me for resiliency training. This is my monthly coaching program that includes a private coaching session with me each month, along with weekly content and individual email support. Start anytime for just $100 a month and continue at that rate as desired with no obligation. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life. And that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.